24 to start out this morning. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get started. Lord, good to be here. What a great time just to worship you, glorify you. Thank you for all these ministries. We, we, we praise you for the fair booth being a blessing. We thank you for camp. We want to just praise you in advance for just baptism. For those souls getting baptized today, your hand of protection to be around them as the enemy will hit and fight back. Lord, for just the prayer booth going on at the Deschler event coming up, VBS, all these events, let, it means nothing without you, all for you, all for your glory, and we say thank you in your name. Amen. Continuing our study here through the book of Proverbs, we're going to be starting out in Proverbs 24, we're spending a lot of time in 25 and 27 here. As we're going verse by verse through the book of Proverbs, we are doing it a little differently than what we normally do. Most of the time, we literally go passage to the next passage to the next passage. Proverbs, though, sometimes has these themes, and these themes overlap chapters. Please remember that chapters and verses were added hundreds of years after the Bible was written, and sometimes it breaks it up in ways that really wasn't the theme of it. You see a theme here in 24 that goes into 25 and 27. It's an interesting theme because it's the theme about honey. And you take a look at it with me. Take a look at 24, starting verse 13. My son, eat honey because it is good. And the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. My son, eat honey because it is good. Honey, the natural sweetener during Bible times. It carries this theme throughout the Bible, that honey is good. If you remember correctly, when the Israelites were coming into the promised land, it was called the land flowing with milk and honey. Honey represents this good, to desire it, to want it, the taste of it. You see it here in verse 14, this idea of desire it like wisdom. But the interesting thing about honey in the Bible is it also represents desiring the things of the world which aren't good. Proverbs 5 warns against the immoral woman that her words drip like honey. So we'll cover both sides of that this morning. But here, just to start the basis, this idea of honey is something that we desire. It's something that we want. Hopefully it's something good, God's word, wisdom. But sometimes it's things of the world that we shouldn't be around. Honey just has this taste to it. Now, I remember when I was preparing this message, I was just thinking about honey. I, I did not like honey growing up. And it was only until recently that I even decided that I even liked this idea of honey. So... My taste of honey was probably this. I would always think of the little package you get at Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, the little. And I started realizing those aren't honey. I think it's just uh, high fructose corn syrup that kind of looks like honey, tastes like honey. We would get some honey at home, and the boys would have these things called honey sandwiches, just a piece of bread. You would take the honey and kind of drizzle it. You really don't spread it with a knife. You just take a spoon and let it kind of go. Well, there's this human nature thing that we have. If the science says what paint, what do you want to do? You want to touch it. I don't like honey. I didn't want to have any honey. But I would make these honey sandwiches for the boys, and you'd get the rest of the residue of the honey on the spoon, and you really can't get it back in the container. And I would look at it. Can't really waste it. I don't really want to eat it. So one day you just try it, right? Because that's what you do. Boy, I love honey. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wasted 40 years of my life. I don't know what I was thinking. Now in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what else have I not tried? That would be really good to try here. I know it's not rhubarb. If you've ever followed my teachings before, I know it's not that. <laughs> Eat honey, verse 13, because it's good. It's sweet to the taste. You desire it. You want it. So the idea is verse 14, just like wisdom. Okay? 
desire wisdom, desire the things of the Lord, desire that that you want it and you desire, because once you find it, verse 14, there is a prospect, some of your translations, there is a future for you. God's word gives you a wisdom, a future, a prospect. It leads you and guides you in ways that you should go. And it's that sweet desiring of honey to say, I want this wisdom. I want this desire to know more about you, Lord. Can you go with me, please, to Psalm 19? Psalm 19. As you're going to Psalm 19, I'm going to read you a verse out of Psalm 119, where it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. God's word is a honey. It's a sweetness that we desire and we want that brings life and wisdom. And we're going to take a look here at Psalm 19, all the blessings of desiring God's word. <clears throat> Psalm 19, and let's go ahead and start in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Here's our word. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them is a great reward. Can you imagine if you look at God's word that way? That you would stop and say, this is more valuable than gold. This is more valuable than silver. I desire this like honey. I desire the sweetness of this. Because what do I get out of this? Take a look at verse 13. I am warned. Warned by those things that are causing a problem. And in verse 11, I am rewarded. See, see here's the deal with God's word, though. Everybody here, I bet this morning, you, you've given up a Sunday morning. You're here. You probably brought your Bibles. You're probably going to stop and say, yeah, I, I believe God's word is important. But do we desire it like honey? Do we desire it like gold and silver? Look at the description of God's word starting in verse 7. First off, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. I tell you, I live in an imperfect world. I'm looking for something perfect. If I got the stability of God's word that is perfect, why would I not want to go there in this crazy world? I want the perfection of that. Next one, the testimony of the Lord is sure. It is reliable. It is certain. Some of your versions say trustworthy. This is something you can trust. There are so few things in this world you can trust. God's word is one of them. It is perfect and it is trustworthy. It is something that you can go to and know it will always speak truth. It will always lead you in the right direction. It will always be right and true. We're looking for that trustworthy thing. You know, I love Dawn more than any other person in this world. But by golly, I can't trust her sometimes. <laughs> Just here's an example. It wasn't that long ago. I, I was coming home. And I was coming home from a visit. And, and I was probably about 45 minutes from home or something like that. And just like anything, the idea of preparing a meal, you know, sometimes there's nine, ten of us in the house, that's a lot of people to prepare a meal for. So, you know, I thought, I'm just going to swing by. We got these, you know, gift cards to Little Caesars. I'll pick up pizza. I'll be the world's greatest husband. She doesn't have to make food. Call her up and say, hey, I'll do this, swing by. And she's like, oh, that'd be wonderful. That'd be great. We talked about the order. And I said, okay, fine, I'll get it. I'll pick it up about 45 minutes from home. Swing by, pick it up, I get home, and as I bring the pizza in, there's Dawn in the kitchen. Guess what she's doing? She's making supper. What are you doing? I called you. I said, oh, she goes, oh, I forgot. Now, I don't know what it is, ladies. It seems like the more kids you have, 
It just, she just don't remember. And Dawn uses that excuse. I think she's just making an excuse. I come in holding these pizzas, and she's making supper. I said, what happened? She goes, I forgot. Can't trust her. See what I'm saying? <laughs> There's only one sure, perfect, reliable, certain, trustworthy thing. That's God's word. This book, this Bible has been picked on and attacked for 2,000 years. Do you realize that? Do you not think if there was a glaring hole in it, if there was a glaring contradiction, that over 2,000 years of scrutiny, it would not have come to light? I mean this in utter sincerity and truth. If somebody ever comes up to me and says, I have a problem with the Bible because it's full of contradictions, I say, let's get together for lunch. I want to hear these contradictions. I study this book. I memorize this book. I read this book. I spend a lot of time in this book. If there's a contradiction, I haven't seen it yet. The more I study it, the more perfect I see, the more sure I see, the more reliable, certain, and trustworthy I see it as. What about the next one, verse 8? The statutes of the Lord are right. It's morally right. It's practically right. It's right. So that means if this book is perfect, sure, certain, and right, that means when you disagree with this book, guess who's wrong? What a dangerous, thank you. What a dangerous <laughs> thing. What a dangerous thing it is to sit here and say, God's word says it's wrong, but I think it's right. Or flip it around. God's word says it's right, but I think it's wrong. You're not perfect. You're not sure. You're not reliable, trustworthy, or morally, practically right. This book has proven to be that. Keep going down. The commandment of the Lord is pure, clear, radiant. This world is full of mud. This world is cloudy. It is difficult to see truth in. This book brings truth to us. The next one, this word is clean. It is pure. And the lastly, it is true and righteous and firm. I love the idea of this word being clean and pure. It does not go bad. It does not fade. It does not corrode. Desire this book like honey. Desire this book like gold. Desire this book like silver. Now, I'm just going to be straightforward with you. Why don't we? There's lots of reasons, isn't there? I read it. I don't understand it. I don't have time. I find it boring. Boy, I tell you, one of the things that I've realized in time as I go through this book is this idea of saying, okay, Lord, I pray to have more of a heart's desire for it. When you read the Bible, you realize that if there's an area you're lacking in, you ask God for it. Lord, I have lack of faith. Pray for more faith. Lord, my heart is, is, is not going as strong toward you as it should. The Bible says pray that your heart is more in focus with the Lord. Pray for a desire to be in this word because this is what I've noticed. Whatever excuse you have for this, you're really just hurting yourself because look at verse 11 again. You're warned by being in this book. You're rewarded by being in this book. Why would you not want to be in it? Next thing you know, you're praying for this. And yes, sometimes the passages can be hard. They can be difficult. And next thing you know, you stop and you say, but Lord, I desire this honey because it's going to bless me. Next thing you know, you're looking at the clock saying, I should go to bed, but I want to read one more chapter in Judges because it's just so much honey in here. There's just so much truth in this. And it is perfect. It is sure. It is right. It is pure. It is clean. It is trustworthy. It's righteous. Oh, Lord, give us a desire for your word to be blessed by it the honey of his wisdom. The problem, though, is this. Jump back to Proverbs 25 now. There's a honey, there's a sweetness of this world, and we've got to be careful about it. Take a look at Proverbs 25. 
verse 16. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Pretty straightforward passage there. This world is going to offer you a sweetness, and you've got to be careful. Because we already read about the sweetness of God's word, the reward by being in it, the warning by being in it, the perfection, the trustworthiness, the sureness, the rightness, the pureness, the cleanness of it. Then you have the honey of the world that's going to make you vomit. But, oh, boy, it's going to taste good, right? That's the danger of it. Take a look at Proverbs 25, verse 27. It is not good to eat much honey, so to seek one's own glory is not glory. It's not good to eat much honey, to seek your own glory. See, the honey of this world is to constantly keep seeking you, more of you. You want better pay. You want more women. You want more promotions. You want more things. And you just keep seeking that honey. It's going to eventually make you vomit. Because here's the deal. You will never be satisfied with the honey that the world offers you. Stay in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 27, please. Proverbs 27, take a look at verse 20. Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of a man are never satisfied. You will never be satisfied by the honey of this world. It will lead you to vomit, and your life will become a mess, but you'll keep desiring more of it. If you want some proof of this, take a look at the life of Solomon. 700 wives, 300 concubines, 1,000 women. The flesh is never satisfied. People always want more money. I go back to my little list. You'll chase the better pay. You'll chase the women. You'll chase the promotions. You'll chase the more things. You'll keep chasing that honey because you'll never be satisfied with this honey that the world has to offer. Your true satisfaction will come from the Lord and the Lord alone. That's what we're trying to ingrain into you. That's where it is. It's not good, Proverbs 25, 27, to eat much honey. To seek one's own glory is not glory. There is this desire to keep seeking more of us. Take a look at Proverbs 25, verse 6. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king. Do not stand in the place of the great. For it is better that he say to you, come up here, than you should be put lower in the presence of the prince whom you have seen. Jesus talked about this in the Gospel of Luke as well, one of the parables. See, back during Bible times, where you sat determined a lot. That doesn't really happen here today. There's not a seat of honor per se. But if you were going to like a Jewish wedding, there were seats of honor. And if you'd go purposely sit in the seat of honor and somebody more honorable than you came, you got bumped. And you got bumped publicly in front of everybody. So they're saying, start at the low seat. So that way the host comes over and says, why are you sitting here? Move up. Move up in front of everybody. This is what I've noticed. When you exalt yourself, when you seek yourself, you'll find yourself constantly getting bumped because you're seeking your own honor and your own glory. Take a look at Proverbs 27, verse 2. Let another man praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. How much time a day do we spend praising ourselves? We want the world to notice how great we are, how great we look, how talented I am, and we want everybody to see it. And we seek this glory, we seek this honey, thinking we're going to be satisfied by these accolades and people noticing us and paying attention to us. It never ends. We just read in Proverbs, hell and destruction are never satisfied. You always want more. It's a honey that you'll never get enough of and it will make you vomit. The whole point is the humbleness of less of you. I was outside working a while ago and I was trying to get all these projects done. And I had this thought. 
Wouldn't it be greater if it was just one more of me? Do you realize how arrogant and prideful that thought is? There's seven billion people in this world. And what the world needs, oh, not Jesus, one more James. If the world just had one more James, you go ask my wife if she wants one more James. She doesn't want one more James. We always think about us. It's this constant thing. Let another man praise you, not your own lips. It's always about, we got up this morning, and before we come to church, we stop, we look in the mirror, do our clothes match, do we look good, whatever. Now, some of that is just being proper and respectful in society, but a lot of times it's all about us. We want people to notice our house, our landscaping, our looks, how we look, how we talk, how we act. We want people to notice us. Now, some of you may be stopping and thinking, right now, oh, I don't want anybody to notice me. There's nothing for me to notice. See, this goes back to the definition of humbleness by C.S. Lewis. Humbleness is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. See, we equate humbleness to almost putting ourselves down. Oh, I'm not a good singer. You don't want to hear me sing. Sometimes you're also just searching for a compliment. Oh, I'm not good at this. Oh, I'm, trust me, I'm awful at this. You don't want me to do it. That's not humbleness. That is self-putting down. Humbleness is I don't even think about myself anymore. I am so focused on who Jesus Christ is. I'm so focused on God's glory that the thought of me doesn't cross my mind. Let another praise you, not my own lips. I'm seeking the glory of God, seeking that honey, and let people notice Jesus Christ. That's humbleness where I cease to exist. How did we learn this pattern of humbleness? By Jesus himself. Take a look at Philippians 2. Let's start in verse 3. Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Those verses are life-changing. Three, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or deceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Once again, not thinking less of myself, thinking of myself less. How can I glorify the Lord? That selfishness of me destroys things. I do a lot of marriage counseling. Biggest problem I see in marriage counseling is this. There's not a foundation on Jesus Christ. That's number one. I've got two people that claim to be Christians that aren't living life, and they don't have a foundation on Christ. But the second biggest thing I see in marriage counseling is selfishness. They come in, and it's all about them. He doesn't pay attention to me enough. She doesn't do this enough. He doesn't do this. She, and it's all about us. There's nothing about the glory of God. There's nothing about eternal souls going to heaven and not hell. There's nothing about God, what is your will for our marriage. It's about us and our selfishness. And now it's me time. Man, oh man. I got this thing I do with our twin girls at home. That when they come out in the morning for breakfast, they're both sitting in their seat. And they just do this big, dramatic go up to them like, almost like this giant, and I'll give them a, a kiss on the forehead. And if I kiss the one, you know what the other one starts doing immediately? Me, 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 me. Go over to the other one. Kiss the other one. You know what the other one starts doing? Me, 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 me. They've learned the word me pretty quick, and they know what me means. If you want to see the twins get upset, just feed one. That's all. I'm not saying I do it on purpose, but I'm just saying if you want to see it happen, just feed one. It's always about us. So that's what we have to die to, that honey of me. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look at my accomplishments. Praise me. Now look at verse 5. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's humbleness. Pointing people towards the glory of God. Pointing people towards Jesus Christ. Pointing people towards, I cease to exist, so therefore God can be glorified. I think of John the Baptist. I must decrease, he must increase. Careful with constantly seeking the honey of this world, it will make you vomit. Back to Proverbs 27 now, please. So we talked about these two extremes now. The honey of seeking God's word and wisdom and desiring and wanting it than the honey of the world. Proverbs 27, 7 does a nice job of showing us both sides of this. Proverbs 27, 7. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. You could take this verse and basically do it both ways with what we're talking about here. First one, verse 7. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. If I'm satisfied in the Lord, if I'm satisfied in the honey of the Lord, I loathe the honeycomb of the world. When I'm right with Christ, seeking him, the world has nothing to offer me that I want. You can also flip it around. If I'm satisfied with the world's honey, I loathe the honeycomb of God. See, here's a problem in evangelism. We have this tendency to go up to people and say, I know something's missing in your life. I know you're depressed. I know you're discouraged. I know you want more in life. And they're stopping and thinking, no, not really. I got a great job got a great family, got a great house, great vacation time, great health, really not missing anything. Their satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb because they got all the honey the world could offer. They don't want any more. Guys, be careful being full of the honey of the world. Let me stress that again. Be careful when you're full of the honey of the world. Take a look at the second part of seven. But to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. See, when you're also hungry for honey, you'll also start eating things you shouldn't eat. Every bitter thing is sweet. You desire something more. You desire the honey of the Lord, but you're filling it with the things of the world. You don't have Jesus, so you're hungry for the world. That's a dangerous place to be. Hunger for the honey of the Lord. Go with me here to Luke, please. Luke chapter 6. Let's look at the words of Jesus. And you're going to Luke chapter 6. I just want to remind you of some verses that we've actually been hitting a lot here lately about desiring the Lord. Remember what I said earlier in the message. Pray for that desire. Just be completely honest. If you don't have a heart for worship, you don't have a heart for evangelism, you don't have a heart for purity, you don't have a heart for the things of the Lord, pray for it. Be honest with them. Lord, I don't desire your word. How many desire it like honey? Lord, I don't desire to see the lost saved. Give me a heart like you. Lord, I don't desire to just be in you. I'm satisfied with this world. Lord, help me desire you more. Pray for it as you're going to Luke 6. I love what David wrote here in Psalm 63. Early I will seek you. Excuse me. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. And a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Look at those wordings there, that desperation. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. And a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Psalm 42, verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. To desire him. 
to want him. Here's the problem I see with most Christians. We don't really desire the things of the Lord. We want salvation. We want grace. We want mercy. Sure, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Take care of me physically. Take care of all my needs. But this idea of desiring and thirsting for you, that's asking a lot, Lord. We really just want this easy Christianity where we get all the benefits of Jesus Christ without really stopping and putting any effort into it. What would happen if we would thirst for the Lord, long for the Lord, like in a dry and thirsty? What happened if you would stop me and say, Lord, I am only full and complete in you, and I desire the honey of you? Take a look here at Luke chapter 6. Let's start in verse 20. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be built. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Those are some powerful verses. Can you imagine going up to somebody who's poor? They don't have enough money to even pay a bill. Hey, man, you are so blessed. Go up to someone in verse 21 who is hungry, literally starving to death, and say, man, you're so blessed. What are we talking about with these? Let the Bible be its own commentary. Jump down to verse 25, same chapter. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. See, the problem is, verse 21, blessed are you who hunger. Hunger for what? You hunger for more things of the Lord. You hunger for the honey of God. You hunger for the Lord. So if you are blessed because you hunger for God, you will be filled. The problem is verse 24, excuse me, 25, woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. I am full. I'm full of the honey of the world, but yet I still hunger for something. Why? Because we just read in Proverbs that the flesh is never satisfied. See, I want you guys to leave this saying, Lord, I hunger for you to be filled in you. Verses 25 to say, Lord, I'm full of the world. It's going to make me vomit. You choose which honey you're going to go after. It's either the honey of God's word. It's either the honey of a deeper walk in relationship with Jesus Christ, and you will be satisfied. You will be full. The Bible promises that. Or you can go after the honey of the world, never be satisfied, and your life will be vomit. What's it going to be? You get to choose. Last passage, please. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. Something's going to get the glory in your life. Something is going to get the attention in your life. Let's figure out what that's going to be, and that will determine a lot. Let another praise you and not your own lips. Do not seek the honey of self. Seek the honey of the Lord. Jeremiah 9. Start with me in verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. Man, what do we glory in? We glory in how many people watched our videos. We glory in how many likes we get. We glory in how much money we make. We glory in how nice our yard looks. We glory in how we look physically. We glory in a paycheck. We glory in promotions. We glory in all this stuff. But yet in verse 24, God says, if you're going to glory, glory in this, that you know me. Think about that, folks. That he understands and knows me, that we know the Lord, loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. That's what God delights in. Last point, there's two honeys. You've got the honey of God and his word that will satisfy you in his sweet desire. Or you've got the honey of the world that will never fulfill you. 
and a legion of vomit. Glory in that you know the Lord and who he is and be blessed in that. That's what I want you to seek after this week, to hunger and thirst for it. Not just talk about it, but to hunger and thirst for it. Worship team, if you can come forward here for the final song. Hey guys, there's lots of things going on. Keep this next week in prayer for the camp kids. There's a calendar back there. Grab it. VBS meeting following here, the 10 o'clock service. Even if you're not going to help with VBS, you can go back and just encourage them, pray for it, wherever the Lord leads. Baptism today, 4.30, Bill and Shirley Jones, counter corner of County Line Road in Hammondsburg. Uh, brief teaching, some worship, potluck following. Come out and support those getting baptized. Hey, keep them in prayer. If you've never been baptized, you may not understand this, but when you make that public declaration of your faith, there's a bullseye on your back. Keep these people in prayer here. Um, big thanks to the Lord for the prayer booth. Um, keep Remember, love packages after the service here. There's going to be a group out there. You can go around that truck, pray for those things, be blessed in the Lord. And uh, coming up next Saturday at Deshler, there, a prayer booth going on there. You can see Shirley Jones if you want to get involved with that. Hey, let's pray. Lord, Help us to seek and desire you, to hunger and thirst for you, the sweetness of you. And when the honey of this world comes to tempt us, to dissuade us, to distract us, in the name of Jesus, let our focus be on you. We thank you and praise you. You are such a good God in your name. Amen.